Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We talk everything animation here, including Coco, which we'll be getting into today. I'm Beatrice Murad, and today I'm joined by Alex Bonilla. Hola. Andy Potter. Hey there. And Steve Zek. Hello. I'm really excited for this podcast. Coco is the latest Pixar film. It was released last week and has topped the weekend box office with $49 million, which makes me super happy. Please, please go to the movies, support your local theaters, or else they're going to go away. Um, But before we get started, I'm letting everyone know that, yes, we will be getting into spoilers. But for those of you who, uh, who are listening, who haven't seen Coco, one, go watch it. And two, we will be starting off with a brief non-spoiler discussion. Feel free to keep on listening afterward, but I urge you to pause this podcast, go watch the movie, then come back. Uh, Find out more about this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes at OverlyAnimated.com slash iTunes, where we appreciate your star ratings, or search for Overly Animated on your favorite podcatcher. All right, so before we dive into this wonderful, wonderful world, I want to take a quick moment to talk about our not-so-great world, um, continuing the exceptional reporting on sexual misconduct and abuse of power in the entertainment world and beyond. Uh, Last week, The Hollywood Reporter published an article about Pixar co-founder John Lasseter and his inappropriate behavior in the workplace. Uh, That same day, Lasseter announced that he would be taking a six-month sabbatical. Uh, When I think of all the reports from Weinstein to Spacey, This is one that hits closest to home for me. Pixar films are part of the reason why I'm talking to you guys today. Separating the art from the artist is not easy. Not everyone can do it, and it's fine if you can't. Um, I will say, however, that it takes hundreds of people to make this type of film possible. John Lasseter was an executive producer on Coco, which is a much more distant role, usually, than a typical producer. But um, I can't tell you how involved he was in this project, but he alone didn't make this movie, and Coco is so, so much more than he could ever be. But let's actually talk about Coco. Um, Alex, give me your overall impressions of this film, but no spoilers. We're going to get to that a bit later. Right. I think in, in just in the big picture is... A really um, emotion, a film that emotionally works, like something that I expect out of Pixar at this rate. It's been a bit of a weak patch if you think about things like The Good Dinosaur and all. But uh, Coco did a really good job of hooking me in with the story very early on. Uh, there, there was no real characters that I found annoying or anything of that sort. It's a very beautiful film to look at. Like there's, there's no denying that the all the designs look really good. And uh, just uh, and even with the humor, like because uh, into this, I was going in with the idea of, oh, well, like the book of life, like that's the, the thing that this has been compared to since like the concept art came out. But it, when I think of the book of life, that was a very humor heavy uh, thing, but it didn't really hit, uh, want to focus on the emotional stuff, whereas this feels the opposite. Like it, it touches on humor, but it's not really as joke heavy as I, I expected it to be, whereas uh, it went really hard on the on the themes and the emotion. On the emotion, and so I think it, it works as a good complement to the this uh, little niche of Day of the Dead movies <laughs> in animation. Yeah, totally, Steve. What are your overall impressions? Oh, it's a good movie. Um, I mean, some parts it was told by the book, but I have to admit though, the twist though, the twist. At, no, I'm not going to say don't what it say is. Don't say anything. I won't say. I'm just saying the twist actually surprised me. 
normally I'm very good with fun seeing the twist like way ahead of time, but it actually got me for once. Maybe because I wasn't on point. Maybe because I was. I just got there trying to find parking and I wasn't thinking straight. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was good. It was. Uh, I liked all the characters. Um, personally, though, the first act dragged a little for me. The second act, when they this once they got to the second act, it really picked up for me. Um, I can't tell what more I want to say without spoiling. But um, it was a good movie. Um, it definitely wasn't boring. It had me edge of my seat. I didn't really fall asleep or nothing. And and at the end, it definitely was gotten very tearful for me at the very end when whatever happened, happened. I'm just, it it delivered. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Okay. Andy, what about you? This movie is the movie I envisioned when I heard that Pixar was bought by Disney. This is like the perfect mixture of the beautiful visuals that Pixar makes and the music that Disney is known for. And it's not just like a Disney musical shoved into the um, Pixar aesthetics. It's actually, the music is the lifeblood of this movie and it's just so well done. Like every scene you can, you can feel the Mexican influences in every soundtrack, not just the times when Miguel singing and it's just so well done. Like it, this is just, this is just a treat in all in all in all descriptions you can use. Like the the visuals are just to die for. The music is just sublime at parts. And I'm not trying to get all like I, I just really love this movie. I just really loved it. Every part. There were some problems with the plot that it wasn't the greatest, it wasn't the strongest plot, but it was good enough to carry this very beautiful film with a very, very well done soundtrack to and and it was just great i really really liked this movie also i mean i i agree with you completely like i adore this film like i just you know a lot of things that like look latin representation one of the things that always worries me about it is that people kind of generalize and make this either they either make latin like they make latinos like kind of seem homogenous when in fact they couldn't be anything from the truth and I think this is such a great, Coco in particular, such a great celebration of like Mexican culture and just this beautiful dive in into not just the day, day of the dead, but also, you know, the music, the just little things. And, you know, what I really spoke to me and what really hit me is because, yeah, there is distinctions with within the Latin umbrella. But there are certain things, some little things that are similar, like just, just like, just the way people are affectionate towards each other. It's like, my family is like this. The emphasis of family being such an important thing. That's so much part of the general Latin, uh, Latin, um, uh, culture that I just, this movie, even though it isn't a hundred percent what it isn't like I don't see it and be like oh yes this is just like my Venezuelan upbringing it's not but even then I was like but there's something in there that still like resonates with me in that it may not look a hundred percent like me like like how I have lived in my culture it's still close enough it's like it's kind of like a cousin that I'm just like oh this is so amazing and I adore it and I just I just love this movie, and it was great, and I can't wait to talk to you guys more about it in the spoilers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say in terms of the representation, like, also, I'm of Guatemalan heritage as well, so I, I, 
when I lived back there, like I was very in proximity to all of this. So I went to several Dia de los Muertos uh, ceremonies in the local cemetery and all because I have uh, friends, even though I, I'm not really a person. Uh, our family was never that religious enough to really participate in it. But just uh, seeing all the things happening was very uh, comfortable in a sense. Like nothing stood out as wrong, which I think is a it's a good feeling to have the, the idea that you're focusing on a tradition that is very uh, very focused and there's um, you, you can tell that they put time into into working and making this seem uh, as uh, as um, le legit as legitimate as as they could going from their out outside background and I think just in general the whole Latin representation thing I think the the issue we have is more like volume because it, other. Uh, I guess my thing is with the Dia de los Muertos, like that seems to be the main thing that we go to when we talk about Mexican yeah. culture yeah. in film. And it's like that part still bothers me a little, like the fact that we could, that there isn't a room for just like a normal Mexican family drama in English <laughs> English language uh, media. But uh, it, with the material that they're working with, they did a really good job, and just it it all felt very very homey in a sense. Um. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah um, well, I don't have as much background as you do, Alex, but my mom is originally from South America, and I've been like, to, to Paraguay with her family, and yeah, it definitely reminds me of that when when we've gone to visit, so, though I'm not that familiar with Days of Doros Metros, I mean, I've heard of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's time, a Catholic tradition, so yeah, it depends I, on on how religious your area really it well, really is. Well, the thing you know, I heard about recently, I heard they did that about that that De Dios Mertos, an episode of Elena of Avalar. So that's how I first introduced <laughs> it. So this is not new to me. Also, another Disney property. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I again, um, just like what's what I love about it was just that even even though like because like my thing with. Like, I, I completely agree with you, Alex, in that there needs to be a lot more, like, variety. Like, I can understand why, say, for instance, in animation, you want to go into Dia de los Muertos because it's, like, so much, like, a visual, kind of visually striking kind of thing. But, like, I completely agree that there needs to be more diversity in there. They, like, there's more than just this one holiday to the culture. Basically, like, what I was trying to say was just simply that. For me, it was so nice to, like, see, like, something that is, that celebrates Mexican, like, like culture, and yet still manages to, like, break that barrier. Like, I don't feel uncomfortable with, like, it being, like, often I'm like, okay, here we go again. Like, here we go. Like, it's going to be all about, like, people are going to misunderstand this and make it seem like it's everybody when it's just one part of the Latin context. But in fact, it, this film didn't make me feel that way. It, in fact, it made it, it was celebrated Mexican culture, but I felt like it also manages to make it distinguish it from other cultures. Maybe it's because it was so authentic in the way it was represented. But moving on, I did not want to get into that conversation so early in. Uh, I just want to say that I have no background in like like any of you do. So if I I want to be clear that I'll be. If I have anything to say, please correct me because I have no background like you guys do. I got my mom is from South America, not Mexico. So I really, if this is anything to do with Mexico, I really am just as clueless. Oh, you, yeah, you, yeah. But you guys are a little bit closer than yeah. I am to these, these yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. 
right. All right. Cool. Well, let's talk about the the voice acting because that's always something I want. I always uh, emphasize. I try to emphasize in these podcasts because it, it's also it's very woefully like overlooked. So, what did you guys think of how the performances were? Um, Alex, let's start with you. Well, I have a bit of a different perspective since I actually went to watch the Spanish dubbed version. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, so like uh, I do want to say in that the the only person who carries over is Gael Garcia Bernal, who who voices Hector, and like he stands out in the in the dub. Like you can tell he's the professional of the group. Aww. Like he does a really good job of like expressing the emotion of that character from the carefreeness of him in the beginning to like the real emotional part of him in the in the second half of the movie. So that was really good. Um, you have uh, Marco Antonio Solis, who who used to be a member of a popular Mexican band Los Bukis back in the eighties. Uh, he he voices um the uh the, uh, the, the 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 musician ancestor. Ernesto? I'm forgetting his name. Ernesto. Uh, yes, Ernesto. Ernesto de la Cruz. But yeah, um, he he did okay with. Uh, I guess they hired him mostly for his singing abilities, and it shows. Although I think he's a little weak in the in the final number in La Llorona. But uh, uh, yeah, in general, it, it it had most of the marks of a Spanish dub. Like in general, I don't go for Spanish dubs, even if Spanish is my native language. There have only been like a handful of movies where I preferred the Spanish over the English. I'll be interested to see once I get the chance to see the English version, how they compare. But I thought it just on the scale of, 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 uh, of dubs, this was a really good uh, uh, translation. And just the, the usage of, of Mexican slang in there was really comfortable to, feel, to, to hear. It, it, was, it was just an all-around good performance, although I think Bernal stand, stands out in the Spanish version. Uh, Alex, Alex um, actually a question. Um, did they have English subtitles when you saw it or just Spanish dub? Uh, they did have subtitles, although I wasn't reading them, so... <laughs> So, Steve, what did you think of the of the voice acting? I thought the voice acting was was good. Was very good. Um, I'm not familiar with really any of these voice actors. Uh, maybe maybe one. I heard this Gabriel guy. Maybe I've heard of him, but um, but yeah, mostly I. But I was just so into the story. Um, I did. Yeah, I thought. Um, yeah, the famous musician character. What's his name? The Ernesto. Uh, Ernesto. Ernesto. Yeah, Ernesto. <laughs> If for some reason, I, I always thought he sounded, he kind of reminded me of Ricardo Montalban. I, I thought that if Ricardo Montalban was still alive, he could have been a good choice to voice this character. Um, everyone else, like, they fit right into their roles. Um, you get that, definitely tell you definitely had l- some, l- uh, like, Latin, like, influences in these actors. But they also sounded like, American nice, no, not too Latin either. It's good balance. Um but yeah, I have no complaints over any of the actors. Nobody really was bad. Um which is a rarity for me. I always find one actor to complain about. Like 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 in the like in the Frozen short, I definitely thought some of the kids were definitely amateurs, probably won a contest or something. But in this movie, top notch. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Andy, what about you? Any comments about the voice acting? I definitely agree with Alex that um, Hector was the standout. Um, Bernal, he was the standout. He he was just really good. But I also do want to say that the English voice actor for Miguel, I was surprised how good he was at injecting emotion into his voice. There's one moment that he really, like, you can feel the emotion that he's trying to like get across to you while singing. And it's just so well done. And it was very surprising to hear from him. And um, 
And he's and I think his actor's not that old, is he? Anthony Gonzalez? Yeah, I think he, they usually like for the leads that tend to be like they tend to be pretty young. They tend to be like newcomers. He is uh, 11. It looks like he's 12. Oh my god. I see Wait, he is not old. Has he been <laughs> in like live action like No, yeah. this is his, it, it looks He's like been in an is, episode of Criminal Minds. Oh, uh, he was. I again, I agree. Like I think Miguel was just so wonderful and 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 naive and 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 such a child, but it was so great. And the the way he managed to express all the necessary emotions. And yeah, Hector was great. I love Imal, I, Imelda. Imelda is just wonderful, and everybody will learn why when they go see this movie. But um, but yeah, let's move into spoilers because yeah. we need we need a we need to talk deep into this movie so anyone yeah. who hasn't seen this movie this is now the time go and see it or keep listening and just know that you're gonna be spoiled because that's where the fun begins all right you've been warned so let's start off with these characters that I adore all right so what did you guys think of Miguel and his story through nice story his journey throughout this film like um Andy let's start with you like how just Overall, like, go as deep as you want. Like, how did you think they expressed Miguel's story for you? It was really well done for me. I I think the first two-thirds of the movie were a lot better than the last third for the story-wise. Um, Ernesto did a lot better as a idea than, like, an actual character, I thought, on screen. But it was just really well done. You really... It wasn't a very um, set-in-stone plot like there wasn't a really set in stone goal here like he had to get home but you weren't really sure what the message was or what really miguel was going to learn during this story but it it was really good like you felt like miguel was lost and you were lost with him in this plot of what am i supposed to be learning here am i supposed to be learning about family am i supposed to be learning about music am i supposed to be learning about art am i supposed to be learning about respecting my ancestors like it really just twisted together into this really weird mixing pot in the middle of what is Miguel here to do? And he was in that with us and it was really well done. I think that the twist of who his great, great grandfather was, was a little bit, sometimes it really worked well in the film and sometimes it really didn't. I think they held out a little too long, but it, it kind of looped back into that itself where it was like they held out so long that I thought I was wrong in my guess of who it actually was. Like I was like, Oh, is it actually Ernesto? Cause they waited so long to tell us uh-huh. who it actually was. But, um, it was, I, I think even through to the end, like it was just, I don't want I'm not sure if I want to talk about the end quite yet. Cause it's so emotional, but it was just, that ending was just a classic Pixar thing. Just, just Miguel singing to his grandmother. It was, I I, w- I was crying in the theater. It was very well done, and it could have been done a couple. Of, it could have been done a couple of different ways. Like I thought, in the middle of the film, that it would the movie would end with Miguel singing this song, and um, Hector would be singing it with him from the afterlife. But Coco obviously wouldn't hear him. But the way they did it with Miguel doing it alone was so much better. And this is why I don't write things and they do because this was so much better. It's so much more emotional. It's just Miguel feeling so down on himself and just being so he, he just knew it was over. He just knew nothing had turned out the way he wanted it to. And you could feel that in the way he was singing. And it was so well done. Speaking of, I do want to talk about the music later because I have a lot of things to say about it. But for now, the plot was just good enough to 
get all these things to us. I do think it could have been a little better in expressing a direct theme at the end. The the lack of a direct theme in the middle really did well for the movie, but I think it could have told us something a little more concrete towards the end. That's all. Okay. Okay. And Alex, what about you? Uh, yeah, well, to me, I think we need to separate the story and the character, right? Because the story, I was enthralled from the very beginning and just like seeing uh, Miguel like figure out how the world works down there and uh, tr- trying to figure out if he can trust Hector, if he can't. And then we have all the twists and all. It, it all works. But as a character, I don't think he was very interesting in the end. <laughs> like, uh, I, I never really felt... Um, emotionally attached to him specifically just like like his family as a whole yes but uh, miguel didn't really have any any real traits i guess i could glom on to here but the the but he was useful in his purpose of like you know just being the guy who pushes the story along and the get, taking uh, taking us through all these different parts of the world and uh, eventually meet, meeting up with uh, ernesto in the end so and being uh, the guy who hector has to lead along so the the story was nice, but the character of Miguel himself, like uh, I felt, it was relatively bland compared to the other characters in in the film. Interesting, interesting. Steve, what about you? Oh, oh I like the movie. Um, I have to admit though, first I, since I saw a trailer, I knew what the movie was about, so I knew we were going to go to the afterlife. So so as the first act was going, I'm like, can we get to the afterlife? I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm more excited to get to that. Where and but I enjoyed the movie. Um, do admit the afterlife definitely. Um, that world definitely sort of reminds me of other worlds from Dragon Ball. I don't know if you've seen that, um, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, yeah, Miguel. I really like Miguel. He's a character I I can relate to, and I get rooted for. And you know, which is very important because he's the main character. If I can't stand the main character, how am I going to stand the movie? Um, I gotta admit though, the twist. With Miguel's like great great grandfather, um, of it, of it, whether it's not an Ernesto, that really surprised me. Normally, I'm good with twists. Like I remember, like uh, when I saw Frozen, I knew immediately that Hans was going to be the villain, so I wasn't surprised there. But here, I'm like, I knew Ernesto was going to be the bad guy, but I thought the message was going to be more of you have to accept that some people, members of your family, are just jerks, are not good people. And and that doesn't just because you're related to them by blood doesn't mean you're family. You do have other people you can call family. That's what I thought they were going for. But instead, they go the other way in that it's Hector, and I guess every member of Miguel's family is a good person. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but it worked. Um, liked all the characters. I I can relate to like the family like wanted to like outlaw music in the family. I got that. Though I thought the little bit of a reaction, but I also understand Miguel's though his plight of rebellion. Um, I don't know if you agree with me, Beatrice, but it definitely felt it reminded me a bit Miguel's infatuation with uh, Ernesto. It definitely like reminded me sort of of Akko and Shiny Chariot a bit too, and um, and the ending, of course. I really got emotional at the ending when we saw. Coco and her parents and I I lost it. I admit I lost it. And and again, seeing also, also so, was comical the fact that her parents died younger than Coco did. So you see Coco looks much older 
with her parents who look much younger. And I definitely like going on with Eclipse uh, and um, in her in Meteora, Meteora and Star, too. So, uh, uh, I, I didn't think we were going to touch that detail this early, but I, I do want to say that kind of bothered me at the end. <laughs> Eclipse <laughs> just shows up in the land of the dead all, all old, and all these people are already young. Do we expect all of them to have died young? <laughs> yeah, no, it was... Well, Hector was murdered as a young man. Well, yeah, <laughs> Hector made sense, but all the other ones, it's like, this really, like, if everyone in the afterlife is really that young, it's really depressing. Well, we don't know how, how, how long, you know, the great-great-grandmother died. We don't know what age she was. Oh, look, and, at and, the beginning that she died before I was born. That's all we know. Look, and we don't know how the, how the afterlife works. Maybe they all decided, maybe Coco just liked being that age and was like, I'm just going to stick to being like this. Like, we don't know, you know, but but um, but I will say that um, uh, Alex, your point about like not liking Miguel or just not really feeling anything for him, I felt that way in the beginning. In the beginning, I was like, okay, like interesting, like I I Miguel, like all right, sure, you're just gonna tell me the story, whatever. You're just gonna be what pulls pushes the story forward. But by the end, he won me over. By the end, I was like. You really, like, I don't know, maybe it was just, like, the artist's soul in him and just everything, like, him learning the importance of family. That was just, like, yeah, like, you're great. Like, you're a kid, but you're great. Um, but I did feel, it's interesting how, like, there's, like, the third act seems seems to be, like, the weak, weakest for people. And I, I guess, like, for most, like, that's, like, I've, I've also been reading some, like, reviews, some, like, tweet reactions. And that seems to be like the consensus that just by the end, the plot just got a little bit too crazy, a little bit too convoluted and unnecessarily complex. For me, I enjoyed that because it kind of reminded me of like novelas and just how crazy they are. And it's like, of course he killed you. Of course he did. Like, of course he's going to be the villain. I don't know. Because I wasn't, I didn't know how this was going to end. And well, yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, please. I knew he was going to be the bad guy. I just, I thought maybe he actually was going to be the great great grandfather. I wasn't. That's the part. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that it, could have been an interesting. That could have been interesting, but I enjoyed the emphasis of family. I, I kind of given. I don't know. I kind of was just like, yes, I could have seen him being part of the family. Like, yes, I could have seen De La Cruz being the the grandfather, the great great grandfather, and not like and still being horrible. But at the same time, like, I kind of like this, I don't know, like, I feel like, I don't know, I, I, I enjoyed Hector being, like, kind of be punished for leaving his family in such a way. And then maybe the killing was a little bit too much of a touch. Maybe, this, like, yeah, please, Andy. This this was a, re- like, while you're saying that, this is a really dark movie. We haven't mentioned it, but every half the characters in this movie are dead. Well, like, they are. It's the afterlife. Oh, wow. <laughs> Newsflash. Like, no, oh, like, you know, like, a lot of Disney movies kind of, like, gloss over it. Like, any other Disney movie kind of would have glossed over it. But they're like, no, these people died in horrible ways. Ernesto got a bell dropped on him. Uh, Hector drank poison. Like, there's just some horrible deaths that oh, are hinted at over, and, through this movie. And also, Coco was obviously suffering from Alzheimer's. I mean, it's obvious there. And, and one question, though. Um... Ernesto, he murders somebody, and then he does appears in a movie that does sort of same similar story. Who does yeah. that? 
That's yeah, I know. Cool. That was a little, that was like, okay, that was a little bit on the nose. And but, sadly, yeah. that's a story, pretty much him trying to protect his legacy. That hits very close to home nowadays. Because it reminds me so much, like, he, he was such a big star, renowned celebrity for so long. And, you know, it kind of reminds me sort of like of guys like Bill Cosby and guys like that whose legacy is pretty much flushed down the toilet right now. It's it's kind of timely, honestly. Yeah, yeah. odd timing with Lasseter. Yeah, very, very true. Very insightful connection there. But you know, let's let's focus. Let's talk about these like other characters because one thing that I did find slightly not annoying because it's not so much of a like I understand. I don't know if it's a, necessarily a flaw because because I can understand why they didn't do it. But I do wish we did get to see more of his like other family members, you know, or more of Imelda at least. Like I, the focus, him focusing so, it being focused, the film being so focused on Miguel, Hector, and De La Cruz, just kind of, you know, not only did it make it very male centric, but you know, I kind of like. For instance, in the very beginning of the film, when they're just, they kind of, how Miguel just kind of tells us the story of his family and how Imelda just kind of was like, he left her, but she made it work and she was great. I was like, give me more of that. Give me that story. Like, oh, why? Speaking of, I that, love that. those cutouts were beautiful. Yeah, they were gorgeous. I I would not have minded, like, like something that I found, like, frustrating was that the the, in the film, they dealt with exposition a little bit awkwardly in that they would yeah. explain to Miguel things that he should know already based on, like, this is probably not his first Day of the Dead. Like, he knows Dia de los Muertos. He's part of it. Like, he's been part of it. And yet, here, here's his grandmother explaining to him why it is that they're putting these pictures up. And there's his great-great-grandmother explaining to him what these animals are or, like, these, like, dragons are. And it's like, he knows that, though. So I would not I'm, have minded I that. I'm glad you brought that up because as someone who didn't know this stuff, I didn't like process that. And now that you've mentioned it, it's so obvious that he should have known those things. Well, uh, I uh, I took it as because it, they make it pretty clear that the Miguel didn't really care about Day of the Dead up until now. It seems that him walking out on these conversations has been a tr- has been also a yearly tradition. So like I just took it as uh, well, he, they need to tell him this like this is why this is important. This is why you have to focus, and Miguel just never does. At least that's it's, that the movie translated that to me well enough. Totally, yeah. totally, and like that is interesting because like I one thing I do wish that they could have dealt delved a little bit more into was Miguel's kind of because it's weird because he seems so focused on embracing like music, which we'll be getting into shortly. Like he, it seems like he's so focused on like oh I want to be a musician, musician, and music is so in any culture, music is a big part of it. But I wanted them to kind of explore his maybe like his lack of connection with his ancestry maybe like his lack of connection with his cultural roots like if that had been the case and like this experience could have helped them reconnect like if they had made that a little bit more evident maybe that could have been like a more compelling way to finish the like to end the story rather than you know surprise he killed like surprise Ernesto killed Hector you know what I mean like they could have done something a little bit more complex instead of going for full drama even though I enjoyed the melodrama you know what surprised me surprised me that Miguel's parents were actually in the movie and they're alive and all I I kind of thought they were dead and that they were barely used yeah (laughs) Yeah, they were I mean, I feel like because there are so many people dead in this movie, they couldn't also kill his parents. I feel like that was like, they drew a line. They're like, we cannot also kill his parents. 
But um, they're just like, you know, I, I know Disney has this like this this tendency to kill all the parents. But I feel like they yeah. in a way like the great great grand like Imelda and, and Hector were kind of like he saw I felt like he saw them more as parental figures than he did his actual parents in a weird way. So I feel like we still got that relationship and they were technically dead. So it's it's arguable. But yeah. um, I think yeah, I, I, we, we, we've been kind of going around to like the third act being a little weird in some ways for each of us in different ways. And I think the biggest thing is that there were a couple of elements introduced in the first two acts that never really came back. Like I was sure in the last third of the movie that we, we would get this blessing thing and we would somehow have um, Miguel going back and forth between the land of the living and the land of the dead over and over again. Cause it was so well animated him going through these petals back into um, Ernesto's, Ernesto's tomb and um, you know what I mean? And then he played the guitar and he went back to the land of the dead. Yeah, I thought yeah. we were going to get a little bit of that swips. I can't, I can't speak today. I, was, I thought we were going to get a little bit of like going back and forth at the end of the movie. Because um, I thought that would be kind of interesting. Because the land of the dead is really pretty. The city is really pretty. But it's much more pretty when you really have it contrasted against how not the mundanity, as pretty. yeah, of life. Yeah, and, and having them, him go back and forth in some way might have been a really great way to show hey, this is how gorgeous of a city we made. Because yeah. it is a really gorgeous set piece, the City of the Dead. Not to say that like all the decorations they had in the real world weren't pretty. It's just that the City of the Dead is just like yeah. a technical marvel in terms of animation. That's it is so, amazing. I'm so excited to get to that part. Um, and you know what? I'm thinking of though, maybe a little plot hole. Maybe is that how Miguel sort of, he gets punished for stealing something. But in a way, if, if that was Hector's guitar, then technically Miguel is taking it back yes. in the name of his family. So he should not be punished, really, if the gods know the truth. Yeah, I mean, I kind of read it as, like, intent. So, yeah. like, he was intending on stealing something from someone he thought was not connected to him. Whereas in the last scene, like, he knows it belongs to him. So, like, he knows it belongs to his family, so the intent of stealing isn't there. <laughs> That's kind of how I try to... Yeah. <laughs> like rationalize that little potential plot hole but um something i did find interesting and something i wish like okay coco is his grand his great grandmother yet we barely see her i kind of wish like we did get a little bit more maybe it was like instead of focusing so much on his relationship with his great great grandfather we would have seen like him un being unable to deal with her, like with her dementia, because I don't, I don't know if it's Alzheimer's or dementia, but like she's definitely there's something happening. She's forgetting. I and I, I thought, wish, yeah, yeah, please. Like, like I thought that she was gonna actually pass away in the beginning of the movie, and we would, and the adventure in the city of the dead would be with Miguel and Coco, and I thought it would be kind of like an up story, but from the perspective of like the younger person instead of the older person, and I yeah. thought that's what we were gonna get, but obviously that's not what we got um, but it's because it's just so weird that the movie's named coco and it's just she's just not really a huge part of it i'm not even a, yeah i'm not sure that was the original title i'm pretty sure it had another original title it was called dia de los muertos they were trying to name it after the day of the dead and they couldn't get it copyrighted because oh, obviously they can't copyright that yeah 
Uh, I mean, ju- just yeah. in response to the whole like ma- making that part of the story, I think that's such a big theme that like if you try focusing on that, that's like just a, a different movie. I, I think like it, this is this movie is already really packed with different themes, and I think the it points is. that they touch on it, it is like they're effective on their own. Like that you have the final scene, you have at the beginning the the who are you joke, well, like fake joke, but like it's like. Ugh. But uh, um, yeah, just the, like the, the little points that they touch on it, I think it works. But I think that if, if you spend too long on it, it ends up distracting from what the story they were trying to tell was. You'd have to like change some things around to make that more important. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like w- what? Like anything that I've like thrown out in the past like ten to fifteen minutes have been like they could have done it this way. Even though I love what they did. Like they could, like there, there were so many ways they could have handled this stuff. So the way they did, though, I did very much enjoy. Even though, as we mentioned, there, there, for some people, that end, like that final act, was kind of a little bit, or like the transition, I guess, from the f- second act to the third act was a little weak. I think that's the best way. I think that's the best way to put it. Because just the transition. Because I think the third act actually is pretty fun. It's just yeah. that there's there's a weird hiccup in the middle there. But um, but let's talk about the music since oh my it's God, yes. so <laughs> wonderful and you know like like I grew up listening to all sorts of Latin music but like there's just something when I hear that like classical guitar like going like just someone riffing and to just I just complete like I just I'm just thrown back to just being like yeah this music is so great and this is just I adored it, and the one big complaint I have, even though I know, I like, even though I know why they didn't do this, I know why, because they wanted, when Imelda sang, to make it in Spanish and make it that much more powerful when she sang to make it in actual Spanish, because I feel like she really is the one who represents the culture and the roots. She's the one who isn't, who represents that more than any of the musicians in this ironic way, the one who is most against art, or at least supposedly most against art, is the one who, like, represents the history and the culture of 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 these people she the moment that she sang in spanish it was so powerful but i do wish that we could have gotten a little bit more spanish just throughout the movie a little bit more sprinkle of that like spanglish like i don't mind it being mixed with english just give me a little bit more like throughout the movie i was like why isn't there more spanish like why why are so like why aren't they committing to this? Just give me like just a little like give me some song that Miguel or or De La Cruz sings in Spanish. But I mean, I understand why because there is this kind of phoniness there, and like there's that interesting kind of like speaking in another language and the use of that kind of they're not speaking in Spanish, and that in itself adds to this kind of superficiality in like De La Cruz and etc. I really enjoyed, but that is something I just I needed to mention somehow in this podcast. But tell me, guys, what did you guys think of the of the music, Steve? What did you think? Oh, I really liked the music. It's top notch. Um, I mean, yeah, I agree. Um, what's her name? Um, Emeril- Imelda. Imelda. That's probably the best song of the movie. And personally, she was like one of my favorite characters in the movie too. So that kind of helps. Um, and I did like her little backstory about how she just she got over losing like her her husband and didn't just mope for a round but all right back on topic yeah the music was good um remember me was also pretty good um but really it's i I love the songs though the background music was just as good too was just as well too and i'm i've always been a person who we've really been a fan like of good background music 
just as important as the songs. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but but yeah, as someone who knows a little bit about Latin music, who's whose mom who plays it all the time, it's definitely something that lived up to my expectations. I really liked it, and I'm sure my mom would like it too. So. And what about you, Andy? What did you think? I know you're excited to talk about. I'm really excited. I can't believe you made me wait. Um, <laughs> my bad. This, I'm sorry. No, no, no it's for <laughs> last. No, I thought you were going to make me go last, Beatrice. I was, I was like waiting. Oh, for... I mean, sure. If you want, hold off, hold off. Alex, no, tell no, me, what no, do you think? No, let, let, let him go first. Go <laughs> first. I hate you all. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, I really love this music, and it is just. I, I love music. I just love it so much. I I love really great soundtracks and everything, not just like musicals and stuff like that. Like I just love good soundtracks. And I am the one who comes out of the theater and I'll turn to my friends and be like, that movie had an amazing soundtrack. Like I'm the guy that walks out of like how you train your drag how to train your dragon. And I'm like, that movie that soundtrack is gonna get nominated for an Academy Award. And it did. It's just like I, I, I'm the one who's picking up on those things because they're just so good. And this movie has such a good soundtrack. And I'm not just talking about the songs that are sung. I'm saying like the entire movie has this really, really amazing through line of music that it just, everything just tied together so well. There's themes, there's repeated melodies that just come back and that come back again and again, but they're always, re, they're always changed a little bit. They're always redone a little bit for the scene they're in, but that you always feel the same music going on and at the same time they really did a great job holding off on miguel playing the guitar because they waited till the right moment for you to see that he actually is good at guitar he's good at playing music and he understands music and when he finally plays it's just this great moment on the stage with hector and it just you feel you feel as excited as the crowd that's watching him when you hear him play because you're invested in the music because just subtly in the background, they've been playing the little themes that he's going to be playing on his guitar. And then he finally comes up front and he plays them. He plays what he's what the soundtrack's been showing to us. And then on top of that, it does what every great movie with music it does where most of the music played is in the movie organically there's mariachi bands almost every scene there's an orchestra during ernesto's concert and just and and there's singers in the background sometimes like every scene is like this and it's so so good and i think this goes into and unfortunately put a little bit of a damper on things i think this is why the third act slumps a little bit for me is that in the third act the music changes the music is no longer purely this latin american like theme there's a lot of the classic like dramatic music going on like of just like just kind of indistinguishable music of just like oh it's the stakes are high type stuff and but and and that's really just during the big climax at the concert that that happens right after the um like like kind of right after the um the big musical number with um imelda the song is the song name is escaping me Uh, thank you but right after that the music kind of gets a little indistinguishable and it kind of put the damper on things. So I was really excited for whatever music they were going to play for the climax. And it just kind of fell flat. But um, other than that, the music is just so great. And I was just like, I honestly might've been paying more attention to the music at each seed than to the actual visuals. And that says a lot about the music of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And Alex, what did you think? Yeah. So like my thing with, I think I'm on the opposite spectrum of Andy, just in terms of like movie music, like in general, I don't really enjoy when my movie gets interrupted by songs. 
it's uh, that's part of the reason why I've avoided Disney movies for a long time. And Pixar just kind of tricked me here, like, hey, here's a musical. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, but I, I think the songs here really worked. Um, in, we've already praised La Llorona. I think like the what helps with these songs is that there's like action going on around them or emotional weight to them. And that's what I, pre I prefer. Like if you're going to give me a song, like make it meaningful, either in the emotional sense or like there's plot going on around the, the song at the time rather than just like taking a break to make, make a song. And I think the, the Coco does that really well. Um, La Llorona, you have the, the action of like uh, Imelda trying to get the, the picture from from Ernesto and like the, all the movements around the stage as they're doing this really good song. Um, actually, the um, Conocemos uh, Juanita, or I think in English it's just uh, everybody knows Juanita. Like that, that's that sequence. Like it's a very low key song, but uh, it, it's very it's delivered emotionally well. Like it get like you've only met this uh, guy in the hammock for what like five seconds, but by the end I, I was like, oh, this is sad, <laughs> and it, and it's just like playing a, a song that was supposedly meaningful to him, even though like it's just like your classic cantina song, and uh, just. Uh, it, all, all the all the songs work, with the exception of uh, Un Poco Loco. Like at least to me, like I, I get the the importance is oh, okay. This is the first time he's playing his guitar, but the the song felt a little generic. Uh, in the end, it, it ends up not meaning much since he just skips over to, to find another way into the place, uh, meaning the talent show was useless in the end. So like Un Poco Loco is the only down part of, of all the songs in this uh, in this I... movie. I think. I disagree with you so much on that, but I think we talked about that in Discord. Like that, that Un Poco Loco is the crux of the movie. It, it's the thing that pushes Miguel into being confident again about music. And, oh, and please, it, mention mention what you mentioned on Discord. Don't leave like, the listeners hanging. No, no, it was, that's what I mentioned. I, I just mentioned that I liked this song a lot. Not necessarily because the music. I, I think I agree with Alex. The music is the song is fine. Again, we listened to a slightly different version, Alex. I listened to the. No, I listened to the English version. The Spanish version is slightly better, but still, okay. it doesn't work for me. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, but either way, the, the scene is more important here, and it's just so well done. And I think it actually comes across. Your opinion comes across. He didn't win the contest. And I think that if he had stayed, he still wouldn't have won. I think that the other band was better in terms of just art and just music. Like, he isn't, a, he isn't great. Like, Miguel being a great musician isn't the point of this film it's that he is really really talented and could become great and that he is really interested in being good at music and that comes across in this because he respects the other musicians that he meets and the other artists he meets Frida Kahlo the other band that he lost to like there's never a moment where Miguel feels like he's below someone and he feels like he never feels like angry at them he always feels like I want to learn from them I want to be like them and this in this scene is just kind of shows just how pure he is when he's singing like he is just this is just miguel miguel is the most miguel when he's singing in poco loco in this movie that or the lullaby at the very end of the movie those are the times when miguel is just the most of his character um and when you feel though that that talent show was kind of filler a lot of people have been saying that to Online. Well, see that that that's my thing. Like, I, I get that, Andy's points it. that 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 uh, you're trying to show that uh, um, uh, Miguel is like gaining confidence and all, but at the same time, I, like, I guess it's just the song in particular is just um, something I'm not fond of. I get the point of the scene, and like, I guess it works to push the story along, but like, just in terms of uh, 
me connecting emotionally to it, it, it didn't really work as much as the surrounding scenes, I guess. And, and there's also the fact that I love musicals a lot more than you do. Like, I just love musicals. Yeah, that, that felt the most musically part of, 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 it of was. the movie. But, you know, I will say, though, like, for anyone, for when Steve mentioned that people have been talking, saying that this talent show was filler, you know, the movie starts out with Miguel wanting to perform at the at that plaza, at that little area I wanted to perform in the talent show. So this, it's a parallel. He manages to do it just on the other side. <laughs> so I don't necessarily see it as, as a filler. It's kind of like a ending of one story thread where he manages to perform and then that leads him to, to something else, yeah. right? Because... So I mean I feel like I feel like that like that that's why I wouldn't necessarily see it as a filler. But um I will say that um I like I'm glad that um I'm glad that Alex mentioned the fi- that final song cuz I was surprised that no one had mentioned remember me. It's until so- uh, I until mentioned Alex. it. I was just like you mentioned it a little bit, but like no one like like that like how can anyone, I, like I, I get mentioned it, it like, at the very that- beginning. I mentioned it when okay, I mentioned the plot. The- Okay, at the very, very beginning. But now we're talking about the music. Because this is what I, you're supposed to talk about it. I, I, I'm just going to step in here and say, uh, remember me or recuerdame. Like, it, it's not, it, it's a very simple song. Like, which I think it, it when, you're tr- when you're thinking, like, if you're thinking just in terms of music, like, th- that song doesn't really stand out compared to the other songs in the, in the movie. But just in terms of its emotional weight, like, that, that's what makes the song stand out. And, like, the situation where it's being sung like both in that final scene and the lullaby scene where you're flashing back to Hector with Coco, like th- those two scenes are re- really effective, but it's like the combination of the song and the background that comes with it rather than just the song on its own, in my opinion. You know what I wish? To- totally, totally. You know what I wish we had though, maybe we had a, we told him we had a flashback of Hector actually walking out on his family, like Hector and probably Ernesto's influence Get him to leave his family. I kind of want to see a flat. I kind of want to see like in, when they're leaving. Hector and Nesto and um and, Ma- and Mary. What's her name again? I'm Imelda. Imelda. I like to see like three of them interact back when they're alive because definitely see some like Imelda and Ernesto. Does Imelda does not like Ernesto. She never did like Ernesto. It def- definitely seems like they have an old grudge. Like, be interesting to see what. Well, the relationship was like back in the day. I mean, but they kind of did that in the beginning. Maybe not all three of them, but they did show him walking out on her in that very beginning, that montage in the very, very beginning, that little kind of sequence where where um, Miguel is explaining that, that his great-great-grandfather left. Yeah, yeah. So we do kind of see that. Yeah, I'm talking about later on in the movie when we find out who the great-great-grandfather is and... And then we found out like how what Ernesto did to Hector. I like to just maybe have seen maybe that I, I have a feeling and Ernesto was definitely was the one who pushed Hector to leave his family for to use his like music to gain fame and such. I mean, I don't know. I kind of like the fact that they don't show it I, because it's kind of like a it's it's so because it would be so devastating because it is so devastating. They're like, this is in a way it's kind of like violent in a way it's like this is too much like we this is too ugly to see this man leave his family we're not going to show this like that's what kind of why for me i was like like my rationalization of why they didn't want to see it was because like who could ever leave this adorable little girl but he did and you know i feel like blaming ernesto for him leaving 
may have been I'm not, I'm not, is like too I'm not no, I'm not saying Hector like not at fault not taking responsibility I'm just no totally totally but I'm just saying that like I don't know I feel like maybe Ernesto was maybe like he kept him like away as long as he did but I feel like you know I, there's something very powerful and very upsetting about him leaving in his own will out of like him leaving period so and I, just, he definitely I, made I it- like that and he definitely made it clear that he left on his own. Hector yeah. made yeah. the decision yeah. to leave. Well, I never said I never said Nesto put a gun to his head or anything and forced him out. Just <laughs> saying, maybe you know, just maybe influenced him a little bit to you know, like maybe have a moment like past, like he was talking about. I don't know if I can leave my little girl and my wife, and and, and Nesto maybe talk, talks to him into like saying, "You're doing it for them. You're getting fame and fortune. You're going to provide for them and stuff." And, uh, well, while we're while we're on the subject of Imelda and Hector, like I, I do want to mention, looping back to what we mentioned earlier about like fem- the female representation in this movie, like in the third act, Imelda gets a, a much bigger role in the whole saving of of Hector. Uh, I found interesting, like there's the line where he she mentions like I don't forgive you, but but I am going to help you, and I was like, okay, cool, like you're you're showing some kind of like agency, like just because he shows up doesn't mean you have to forgive him, like that that doesn't that if you still have that grudge, it's fine. But then it just like, it, it goes back into like kind of cliche Disney thing. It's like, oh, yeah. okay, well, I, I fall back in love with you. Okay, everything's all right. And like I that part kind of disappointed me. Like I would have, I would have been more impressed with the movie if they stuck to, well, I don't forgive you. We're going to help you, but that doesn't change what you did to us. Like at least to me, I would have found that a more interesting narrative decision if they stuck with that. Interesting. Like I, I, I kind of saw it as like, when he left her, like, she never stopped love, like, because love is so, such a complex emotion. Like, I felt like it was more like, she never stopped loving him, and she never remarried. But it was just like, you know, she she never stopped loving him, and it just, it, but she was very angry with him. And I think it was just like, finally, when they finally met again, because I'm assuming that they didn't run into each other again. Um, um yeah. I, yeah, but I, yeah, yeah you fit, please. Yeah, I, I like though that, even after she found out that he was murdered, she was still mad at him. It still like did not say excuse that. Oh, you were murdered. You're on your way back. He, she still was like mad at him. So, yeah, yeah. I think like I think her her them meeting again, like her forgiving him eventually. Like again, she was angry. I feel like she may have loved him, but she was angry with him for the rest of her life and onto her death and onto her afterlife. So I feel like meeting him again and then learning of all that i, I can understand I, I can see why not i can see why they could have gone with a not forgiving route and done something i guess less cliche but i could also see like you know like i could also see her still have loving still have loved him and then seeing him again just bringing all that back yeah it's definitely justifiable the it's just it ended up being the expected way for the story to go Totally, totally. And, you know, what I mean with, like, female representation, I said that in the very beginning. Like, yes, I wanted more Imelda, and we did get more of her in the end. Um, But I kind of wish, in a way, like, there could have also been this emphasis between, like, the relationship between... um, with it, between Miguel and his and her, like I could, I wish there was more exploration of their relationship because more a lot of times we just see this constant thing where it's like we always have like the father son relationship, like in so many films, that's the main thing explored. Like the mother is usually the sacrificed lamb who gives up everything, but we never explore her. Like 
when like I like I like them again in the beginning that in the very beginning he was like she like she kept her family together and she just made everything happen and it, it was great like I was like awesome awesome he made us amazing but like I don't know I just felt like I wish that there would have been maybe a little bit more exploration of his connection with her a little bit more I don't know but on top of that all the women in this movie are really before like the end of the third act they're all portrayed as just huge jerks like like they're just portrayed as like the worst thing ever and and a part of it is the fact that we're seeing from miguel's eyes like that is definitely coloring things but that's still the movie we're showed that we were shown here that that these women they're wrong that they're just wrong none of their opinions are right here in a lot of this movie but, and that's just kind of really bad in a lot all, of ways like just members of all women one family though I mean, there is this interesting kind of they they create this interesting binary between like the the whim, the woman, the feminine, the mother. She represents the home. She yeah. represents the family. Whereas the man, the man, the the men, the father, they represent the dream. They represent the 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 excitement, the experience, the going uh, going after something. And it's just kind of like the the man represents the individual, while the woman represents the collective, which is a binary that's very restrictive. And it and like it for me, I was like, okay, like I I can't I in it's been like recorded through history, like that like in history there's been this link with like women and like the and culture and like the women are the ones who teach the children the culture and they become like but it is restrictive and it is kind of a little frustrating to see. But um but I don't know, I, I just I I like there is one counter. There's only one counter to what you've said. And that's Frida. And, yeah, I know who you're gonna say. And it's Frida. Yeah. And it's Frida, and she's my favorite but, character in this. And, and that's fantastic. why I really think that this this is shown this way because it's from Miguel's perspective. As soon as we see a woman who's not in his family, they're very they're portrayed very differently. Um, so I really do think it's just that Miguel sees his abuelita and his and his um, and and Imelda as just people who are just wrong and they're just they need they're just telling him the wrong things and he needs to do something else with his life. I don't, Frida, I don't, like, yeah, also Miguel is just attracted to anyone with artistic tendencies and yes, his family does not, so there you go. That, that's also the other half and half we get here. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, when I heard the backstory of the family at the beginning of the movie, I admired the hell out of him. Um, I admired the hell of her story. Um, she's someone I definitely I could look up to. How she kept the family together. She tried to shoe empire, and I don't know how you guys. Shoe empire. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I kind of love that. I'm like, yeah, you make it work, and I kind of love how they're like, they still kept going with the shoe empire despite the fact that they're now making money out of tourism in the end. Like, yeah. they're still going with their shoes. Like, they are passionate about those shoes, and I'm like, you be passionate. Hey, co- That's great. cobbling is a good business. Yeah. yeah. Does, does anyone know like what time period this takes place in? I think this is supposed to be fairly modern, at least, at least, because because there is a VCR player that that um okay that um yeah. Miguel has a, a, a rural a VCR player, and somehow nobody's noticed that he's taken these things. So it and must be at least fairly modern. And this is standard okay. definition TV, though I'm not sure though. Maybe if this is trying to put like a stereotype in Mexico being more third world, maybe. 
I'm yeah, hope- it, it is definitely going for the rural Mexican town yeah. because like I, I've lived in a town like this and only like five years ago <laughs> with, with people who have these uh, the clay houses and old TVs. So there, not- there's still parts of Mexico that are like this, but, but not- you're right that it does extend a bit of a stereotype if you yeah, want to look not- at it. Yeah, but not all, not all like Latin America places are, are so behind the times. It's right, just, right. It's stereotype. Well, I mean, like it isn't necessarily like rural doesn't necessarily mean behind the times. I also want to make that distinction. Like rural can just simply mean like, you know, it's just Not in the you're city. kind of more in the you're out of the city. You're more in the wilderness. So maybe the Wi-Fi connection isn't the greatest. So you only have one computer that has like the only solid signal in the area. You know what I mean? Like we need to make sure that it's clear that rural doesn't mean like behind. Right. Also, I think there was a big yeah. there was a big point here to this movie that um, to not have internet because I think that introduces a lot more musical influences to Miguel and it was really important yeah. that the musical influences to him were purely these Latin American ones because I think if yeah. you had Wi-Fi there would be mm-hmm. a lot more different music here but just the fact that he had just these local bands and Ernesto to learn from it really affected the music of this entire movie and it was really well done totally totally and I kind of love how it's like because you know like the, the whole digitization of music like you know how like you can just have a computer now making yeah. a guitar sound so I really like how like I feel like in a way technology kind of it, it was important for them to kind of fo- make it focus more maybe like 90s era you know where it's like VHS is still there or early 2000s where like these programs and in computers and like all like laptops weren't all available and easy access to some people and stuff. So speaking of of the modernization, like something that stood out to me in the scene where uh, Miguel enters uh, um enters Ernesto's party, it's like Mexican music, but it, it's got a little injection of like more mo- modern like boom boom yeah, yeah. No- noises. Yeah. So I, yeah. I actually like that as like a little twist to like that. That's how Mexican party music nowadays would be. Like if you go into a club in Mexico City, may- maybe that's what you're playing. I don't know, but. I just like that there are these little twists of like a little modern injections into the musical selections here. That That is like one of my favorite musical transitions because he's walking through the party and it's just the normal background music that's going on through the movie and he steps through the door and this music doesn't change, but it's injected with what you said, like, like those, those electronic noises just kind of mix in. It's like it's like um, when you're playing a video game, you walk from one area to the next and the music kind of shifts a little bit, but it's still the same song you're listening to. It's really cool. It was really well done. Totally, totally. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts about animation, the the animation or the look of the movie before I ask you the hardest question tonight? Yeah. The, the animation was gorgeous. I don't know if there's anything else to say. Like, the City of the Dead, that first reveal of the city was probably one of the most amazing shots I've seen Pixar make. Like, if I could stare at that shot forever. Like, you, there's so many, like, buses and cars and people walking around that it just doesn't seem possible that they animated that whole thing. Something really interesting for someone, if anyone wants to, if, if anyone's willing to go to the theater early, um, sometimes you, they show little like, like, sh- like first looks on like TV shows or something and they show, they have one for Coco and they show how they make that they, scene. They show how they make I, that I hated that they showed thing. it before the movie though. They didn't. Yeah, that is true. Like, don't show me the best like shot of the movie before I watch it, please. Very true. But, I mean, maybe it's available online. It, so if people want to, after seeing the It's movie, really worth it. it. It's up. really insane when, you, when they put it in numbers what they put into that scene because it's kind of incredible. Yeah. I think they uttered 8.5 million lights in that thing. Like, cause, and I believe it. That scene is just filled with multicolored lights. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So now 
for the hardest question, which anyone who's part of the Facebook group, which by the way, you guys should be, um, as anyone part of it will know, I stole this question from Dylan. Um, is Coco the best Pixar film of the last few years? Um, let's start maybe, with Alex. Maybe you should you list think? the movies of the last few years for the listeners that we're choosing. Uh, all right, fine. All right, so we got The Good Dinosaur. We got Cars 3. We have Inside Out. We have Coco. And I'm well, forgetting I'm one. Which one? Finding Dory. Finding Dory. Of co- Oh, man, I'm so sorry, Ellen. I am so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> forgive me, Ellen. disappointed, Ellen. Ellen. How I'm could so you? sorry. Okay, see, it makes sense because I forgot it. So it's like it all ties in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Alex, do you think this is the best Pixar film in the last few years? I still give the, uh, like, uh, disclosure, I haven't watched the car sequels or the good dinosaur, so I'm just judging between Inside Out and Finding Dory. I, I think I give the edge to Inside Out. Like, uh, I think that when I'm looking for Pixar, I'm looking for emotionally affecting. And I, I think Inside Out just works better. Like, uh, Coco, well, well, I found it all very comfortable to watch. The emotional points weren't weren't as high as Inside Out. Like uh, I didn't get a uh, like a teary scene, whereas uh, Inside Out I, I did get a bit teary at least uh, at least for me with like a jo- a joy breaking down and all. But uh, Coco, it's like it's a fun movie, and I think like it, overall in Pixar, you, it is top half. I'll, I'll give it that much, but uh, I, I don't think it surpasses Inside Out. Interesting, Steve. Yeah. What about you? Um, not sure. I, I, I really liked uh, Finding Dory. Um, so that might be my favorite. But Inside Out is an excellent movie. And Coco, I feel though it's it just came out. It's just gonna take a while for me to really de- rank it to see if it has this this it stands the test of time. But I'm not much of a Pixar buff like you guys are, so it's a little harder for me. So, but. It's definitely not cars. Like cars, like <laughs> wait. So in the end, did you did you rank Coco third out of out of Inside Out and Finding Dory? <laughs> no, no, I'm no. I'm just saying. I, I'm just. Um, okay, yeah. Um, uh, I think I think Coco might be the best one so so far. But maybe I'm. I'm not sure though if I disqualify myself since I'm in the moment of just seeing the movie. But um, I, I do think that this movie has a lot of like details in it, and I, I think it, it's one that would benefit from from rewatch, and probably I, I, it, it might improve in my look if I if I give it a second watch. But just going by the first time watching uh, is where I'm making this ranking right now. But I do think this is definitely a rewatchable film. Yeah, okay. yeah. All right. All right, and Andy, what about you? What do you think? I'm in a similar place as Steve, where I liked Coco a lot, but I just saw the movie like two days ago or yesterday and this is a really good movie like don't like i, I want to make sure that's clear i think coco is a really good movie no matter what i say here but um inside out's a little longer to sit with me and i relate to inside out and the themes of that movie a little bit more than coco but inside out also feels like a really really safe movie other than a couple of little parts of it like it has the same kind of Pixar humor that other Pixar movies has. It has the same buttons it presses as every other Pixar movie. But Coco strays from that a little bit. The humor is a little different. The humor is a little more adult in some places and a little more um, subtle in others. And it's also just um, the themes are a little more out there and they don't, they, they still make you cry at the end, but they do it in a very different than normal Pixar way. Cause usually Pixar just 
knows the buttons to push. They know the music to play. They know the the things that people cry about. But this one, it's like they made you cry because you had just watched this entire family go through something. And here's the end result. Here is what's going on. Like they built up to the moment that they usually just kind of shove in your face randomly during the movie. And I think it was really well done. And so right now, I think I'm inclined to say Coco is better, but I think after I let it sit longer, that might change, but it did a lot of things that were really good and different from other Pixar movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm aware that this is, this is an impossible question. Um, I, this is like, I don't, you know, like it's been so long since I've seen Inside Out that I need to rewatch it to have it fresh to actually decide. And I'd have to rewatch that one and then rewatch Coco to figure out which of the two would go on top of the other. Because here's the thing, like Inside Out made me teary, but I cried way more in Coco. Like Coco. Oh, I was the opposite. Like for me. Same. not to say, not to say that Inside Out didn't make me cry. I'm, I, I'm still human, people. Also, like, I, also, I, I, tears are not always votes. We're just, these are, this is just one barometer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm just saying, like, like Coco just touched me in a more, in such a way. And I think it's also because, like, like I lost a couple family members this past year, so it's just like, it just really, like, it hit every like emotional button for me that I was just like. Oh God! Like I, this movie I was not prepared for, and it just kind of—I guess it—it it meant more for me to watch this movie in terms of healing, in terms of emotion. It just—it did so much more for me. And also, again, like again, even though it's it's Mexican culture, like there's still certain things in there that fit with the wider Latin culture and are similar to Venezuelan culture that just really hit me and struck with and struck me in such a way that I might give the advantage to Coco possibly again I have to watch Inside Out again and you know for people who haven't seen Cars 3 look Finding Dory is great um it's not as good as Finding Nemo and I think that's the main problem is that Finding Dory came after Finding Nemo and that's why it's not as good as it should be but with Cars 3 it was like it was really move like there's a there cars 3 does a really good job like a lot of people are like oh it's like it's cars 3 whatever but it's really good so not to make people think that every other movie beside inside out and, and coco are not worth seeing they are but um these are just I, in a different tier yeah they're just mm-hmm. no because i don't know I, th- I feel like cars 3 might also be in that <laughs> tier just it's that there's this one scene that's so incredible in cars 3 that kind of brought it to another level so uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna but, go. But yeah, I, I think it, you've hit on something with, like, there are just very different themes we're hanging on here, because Inside Out yeah. deals with, like, the inter- internal emotions, whereas Coco handles more, fa- like, family, and I think those are just two things that, well, while they're related, but I think there's a, a huge audience that will only relate to one side of that, and another huge part that will only relate to the other side of that. Uh-huh. So like it it, it it definitely depends on what situa- life situation you're in in terms of emotional impact. Totally, totally. And there is one thing though, like Inside Out, like and usually this rarely happens. Usually if I like if I see a movie, I always think like the lead should always be a girl. I always think that I'm like why isn't the lead a girl? I don't know why. It's just my in- instinct to always think that. But in mm-hmm. Inside Out, the opposite happened. I wished that Inside Out had been about a boy instead. Cuz you know, like Again, we're talking about Inside Out right now, but I have to express this somehow. So it's somewhere. Like, 
inside out like you know there's a lot of like stigma against boys crying and embracing sadness and I just feel like inside out could have like been this completely powerful other film if the if Riley had been a boy I I agree because my mom watched inside out and she thought the movie was just about being sad and like there's a lot more than her just being sad here mom like this isn't just like the stereotypical girl crying thing like there's a lot more here like there is like mental illness going on here that they were trying to imply and a lot of people just missed that because it was just a young girl crying and i think you're right if it was a boy it would have been we're we're getting way too into inside out but i agree with you it should have been a boy both uh, movies made me cry so (laughs) exactly like like all like like any like any good salt like like any good solid Pixar film, it's supposed to make you cry. If it makes you cry, it's something. Uh, I, I disagree, it but yeah, yeah. what? Like, Alex also was soulless, uh, a soulless person. So, well, yes, his, yes, this, this, is, this is also important to point out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, that's about it. Does anyone have any final thoughts about Coco before we wrap up? Uh, I just want to say we haven't gushed enough about Hector. Like, I think he's the star of this movie, and we barely talked about him. Like, from the very beginning, like, the Frito Kahlo gag of him, like, dressing up and trying to get out and being desperate to get out. Like, that's funny from the very beginning. Uh, He's got just his, like, carefreeness. Gael Garcia Bernal, like, really delivers the lines well of just, like, I don't really care about anything. I'm in it for myself. Then you have that the amazing scene where he's, he's with the guy in the hammock and... Uh, he has to sing to him to get his guitar. And just like the one shot of him like taking the shot of tequila in the dark, like that that was like dark. It just felt way too dark for a Pixar movie, but I loved it. And uh, it just, and like uh, him just being emotional in the end and like you get going through his backstory and seeing him react to, to the uh, like him re- figuring out that he was poisoned. Like just all of Hector, I loved in this movie. And I, I think he's what, what makes this movie work, in my opinion. Oh. Yeah, Hector was so good. And to, and to go back to that shot thing, like the, the where he like the shot, the fact that the shot glasses were mismatched and the and the one was still full at the end, like that was just a really powerful shot when they were just pulled back and they left left the room empty. Like I thought it was a really powerful well, scene. Too. Uh, also, like the fi- the final final shot of this movie is uh, H- Hector taking uh, taking by the hand Coco and Imelda, and then the rest of the family going together. Like that made me more emotional than the actual singing of "Remember Me." Like that final shot of Hector finally oh, getting disagree. to have his family together. Like that to me affected me the most. Like okay, finally you have justice. Uh, you you have uh, your life there. So like at least to me, like that that just wrapped up the movie perfectly for me. I will say like something that you when you mentioned Hector is that like. They, this film could. I, I was surprised that this film didn't go further into kind of the immigration kind of theme, theme because you know that's what kind of Hector starts to do in the beginning is kind of to illegally like get through and just like try to like because he's desperate and I was just I kind of wish they kind of like explored that a little bit more but I do agree that he's by far I think the strongest character of this story and he's just he's wonderful like miguel is great and i adore him but um and his the actor's performance uh, the voice actor's performance is wonderful too but definitely like hector is like is the kind he's the he's the more complex of course he will be because he's the adult but he's the more complex kind of one that allows kind of the more adult themes to kind of come in he's the vessel for those more complicated adult themes to come in and i really loved his stuff yeah steve i agree 
I agree. Hector sort of was stole the show, started the movie. Um, one thing you want to get into, uh, ask um, was the dog, was Dante, was he a spirit all along? I'm just you're not really clear. Yeah, how have we never mentioned Dante? Oh, he was useless. Dante once. I will well, say I was like, spin, that's for sure, but still. Like I was like it's interesting that Alex says he's useless because I was expecting him to kind of like do s- s- more. Do a little bit more, but I guess when you see that like huge panther like animal next to him, it's like, okay, I can understand why. I love the panther. The panther is so pretty. So pretty. And, and, then, it, and then it becoming a little kitty cat at the end, like, oh yeah. it was so cute. Yeah, so that's why I was like, Dante, like, you gotta step it up. You gotta you gotta give me Dante. You gotta know, step it up, doggo. You, you know, step- he's got to. I was like, maybe he could do, like, I was, like, waiting for some sort of, like, funny reference to, like, Dante's Inferno or something. Because, like, the name Dante is, <laughs> because the name Dante is so on the nose. That was just a, like, I was waiting for, like, I don't know, like, instead of, um, what's the name of the panther? Oh, what's her name? Um, a Pepita. Pepita. I was like, I was waiting for her instead to be called Beatrice, just so like something funny would happen between Dante and Beatrice. Like, I don't know. I was just like waiting for something and it just didn't happen. And I was just like, come on, like, Dante, like, do something funny. But no, they didn't take advantage of him as much as I I do like how subtle it was that, um, Miguel named Dante after uh, Ernesto's horse. Like, it wasn't touched on for a long time, but it was just oh. in the background. For oh, I didn't even notice that. I, I didn't even catch that. Oh, in the party, the movies, the movies playing, the movies at uh, Ernesto's party, uh, Ernesto's on a horse and he says, go, Dante, go. He's on, and, yeah. and that's it's just gone. If you blink, you miss it. And I love that. And that's why Dante. I love how the grandma says, don't name a dog or he'll just stay attached to you forever. Like, it's like, true. It, she's not wrong. Yeah. But, yeah, Dante... Dante grew on me throughout the movie. At first, I found him very annoying and kind of useless, but as the movie gone on, he grew on me. So you too take in stray dogs, huh? Uh, I'm just saying, at first I found him like, he more, at first he's more of a hindrance. He's the one getting to get all these tr- all this trouble. More so Dante. Like, like Miguel probably would have gotten away with a lot more stuff if Dante wasn't around. He played the what was the uh, chicken's name from Moana? He played a very similar role to that chicken, but in a a little bit less comedic. Yeah. It, it was it was it was very strange the what he was meant to be in the movie. But I liked Dante; it was pretty cute. Yeah. Um, I didn't get a chance to bring up one thing. Um, I we didn't get a chance to talk about Frida Kahlo for a long time, but she was. I was very surprised at the length of her part in this movie. Yeah, and I was, I, yeah. Please continue. She, and and I was very surprised. Um, I won't get too into it because because of the radio of this podcast. But it was I was surprised innuendo the, uh, the innuendos that were made with her. I was surprised because I was like, they're not going to bring actual Frida Kahlo into this because her art is a little bit uh risque for this kind of movie. But they did it. They did it. They went full Frida Kahlo with some of this art, and it was I was very impressed and surprised by it. Papaya and cactus milk. You you Look make the connection. But yeah, I think unless there's anything else you guys want to say, last chance. Um, I think we're gonna end it here. Oh. Um, we're going out. We're going on for over an hour. We're yeah. gonna talk end as much it. about this movie as the movie lasted. <laughs> basically, basically. Uh, two two, two final things. We we have we also had um them saying uh, um uh, uh, yeah that Hector choked on chorizo, which is a oh sausage. my god yes so yes. Um, you know 
choking on sausage, make of that what you will. Uh, also, uh, the uh, El Santo, who is a famous uh, luchador, he made a cameo and uh, open. It's uh, I noticed that very quickly <laughs> for some reason, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> well, yeah, let's try to see if we can stretch this out to ninety minutes. But yeah, um, but yeah, um, that was a fine movie. Um, I just a question the timeline though. Um, he says, um, El Santo. The, um, the villain's name. I forget his name now. Um, he died like in nineteen in the nineteen forties. It means like the great great grandparents were like their time was the nineteen forties. Isn't that like a little like too recent? I mean, wouldn't be my maybe the twenties make more sense? I mean, maybe uh, although Mexican families was, yeah. are known to like have children young, so you yeah, could you so. could work you could work yeah. with genealogies around. Uh, no, was it eighty years ago? 80, year, 80 years, well, almost 80 years. It's, it's 2017 now, so it's... Yeah, yes, but almost 80 it, years ago, so there's time. It's a... I can't say it's magic, so I'm just like, it's a it's a Pixar movie. I'll, I'll allow them to bend time if they need it. But, um, but yeah, uh, find out all the information on this podcast at OverlyAnimated.com. Join us on Discord or to join us on Discord to text chat about animation at overlyanimated.com slash Discord. Support us via Patreon at patreon.com slash overlyanimated. Thanks to all of our current patrons, especially our patron of the podcast, Michael, a.k.a. Wazowski. And thanks, as always, to our Patreon executive producers, John, Ryan, Steve, Alex, and Andy. Oh. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Adios. Adiós.